That would be good if you did. We had a few technical problems there. We were trying to get that song playing in the background. That's it. Who? Who? <laughs> that was the idea. But best laid plans, hey? Anyway, um, for many people, it's those three things that define us. Family, work, uh, our pastimes or our hobbies. They're the things that defines us. But it's not, uh, it's not only that, is it, really? Often it's our past that defines us. The successes in our past, and more often not, it's actually the failures in our past that define us, that make us who we are. So, who are you and who are we? That's going to be the theme over the next four weeks as we, uh, as we study just a few verses from the Apostle Peter's letter to these Christians who are scattered throughout what we know as modern-day Turkey. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 11. We read it before. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you are not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, I'm an ex-teacher, you might have known that, ex-PDHPE teacher, and so it's just in my nature to give homework. Um, So here's my homework and little challenge for you, all right? (laughs) Yeah, a PE teacher who gives homework, amazing, isn't it? Um, (laughs) So I'd like you to learn these two verses, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Uh, Put them up on your, I don't know, back of the toilet door, if you like, um, on the fridge, put them on the wherever you might see them. Uh, Learn 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. Learn it off by heart. I've got a head start on you, to be honest. I've done it already, but uh, you guys can do it too. Well, first of all, let's answer this question, who are we? Who are we? If you've got your Bibles there, have your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll flick around 1 Peter a little bit, and uh, some of it will be up on the screen too. Uh, There's an outline as well uh, that's in trendy yellow, because yellow's cool. Who are we? I've never spent much time with royalty. Um, No, never. Uh, I came close once. I was crossing the Sydney Harbour Bridge and I I was on one of those... um, If you're old enough, you've been in Sydney for a while, you remember the Red Rattler trains. Remember those? For young folk, um, you've only known safe trains. (laughs) These were not safe. (laughs) Um, They were a lot of fun, weren't they? So what, what we used to do, of course, you could open both doors yourself very easily and you could really get your whole body out and go, woohoo! Uh, I, of course, never did that, kids, never. No, I was very responsible. Um, uh, until, of course, a pole came your way and you had to duck in, although that would be the end, yeah, that, that would be the end wouldn't it? So I was crossing the Sydney Harbour Bridge on one of those red rattlers and we looked across and uh, we're heading into the city and we saw... Uh, on our left there, we saw the Queen. It was in the mid-90s when she came last, I don't know what it was. Um, and there she was in her motorcade, police sirens going, and, uh, and what, of course, we, we went nuts. Hanging out the side of the train, doors open, screaming, screaming, hey, Queen! That's about all we said, I think. Uh, we had a great time, and, and the Queen looked at us. She raised her hand. And she waved. Now, she may have been scratching her face, I don't know. But 
I think she waved. And that was about as close as I've come to royalty. Now, as far as I know, there's no one in this church who is royal. Is there anyone in this church who is part of the royal family? Okay, that's good. Wonderful. That, otherwise, my sermon doesn't work. Um, <laughs> not quite. In fact, as you look around the room, that's probably not a conclusion you'd come to quickly. You wouldn't walk in here and say, ah, here's the royal family, would you? Now, no no offence or anything, but we all look fairly average, don't we? Some more average than others. Um, (laughs) No, we do. There's nothing nothing really very special about us. We're pretty average. And in the world's eyes, followers of Jesus... Well, actually gets a little bit worse, you see, because followers of Jesus are seen as fools chasing after fairy tales with an imaginary God, uh, with outdated social morals. That's what followers of Jesus are seen as. And in fact, nothing much has changed since Peter's day, when Peter was writing to these scattered churches. The Christians he was writing to were strangers in the world. They were abused, they were looked down upon. They were insulted because they believed in Jesus. Oops, gone the wrong way, sorry about that. No, I haven't. I've gone the right way. Oopsies. There we go. Okay. Um, I've got, I think I've got it up on the screen here as well. I've got a picture of the royals. That's interesting. Sorry, I've got to press my buttons. There we go. Let's, let's keep going with that thought for a minute. 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4 says this. Listen to the description that uh, Peter gives to the, these scattered Christians, these Christians in those times. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do. This is what they used to get up to, living in debauchery, lust and drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They, that's the, the, the worldly, the world around them, the non-believers around them, they are surprised that you do not join, in, join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. So from a worldly perspective, these, these followers of Jesus that Peter is addressing, they're not very special at all really then they're not even respected they're certainly not royal yet when we turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2 these people even with pasts such as theirs they are chosen by God and precious to him so 1 Peter 2 verse 4 says this as you come to him the living stone that's Jesus Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Friends, this of course is the truth when it comes to those who trust in Jesus, that despite who we are, despite our past, And that includes our rejection of God. Despite us, he chooses us. God chooses us and we are precious to him just like Jesus. That's what the Bible calls grace. And it is, as the song goes, it is amazing. It's it's not our past that defines us. When we believe in Jesus... It's not your failures that define you. It's, it's not your struggling marriage that defines you. It's 
not your broken relationships that define you. It's not your stuff-ups, whatever they may be, that define you. For those, and we'll see in a moment, who uh, come to Jesus, verse 4 says, it's not our sin that makes us who we are. When we are God's chosen and precious ones, as we put our trust in Jesus and as we live for him, that's what defines us. What defines us is what God has done for us in Jesus. His blood shed for us. His body purchased for us. We'll get to those words soon enough. That's what defines us in God's eyes, not our failures and not our past. Well, God doesn't stop there. God has a plan for us. So those who come to Jesus are being built into a spiritual house, uh, brick by brick. It's a vivid analogy that uh, Peter uses here. He's picking up on Old Testament themes uh, in Judaism that we'll have to leave in detail for another day. But here's what they say. It says, there's no need. There's no need for a temple because we are that temple. We are God's spiritual house. There's no need for Jerusalem because in Christ, those who come to Jesus are the very heart and centre of God's activity in the world. We are God's special building project. That's what we are. There's no need for a sacred place to worship because for, for, for people are God's sacred place. As living stones, like Jesus, in fact, a holy priesthood set apart for a purpose. You see that in verse 5 there? To live for Jesus, that is offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. The spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, that's the will of God, by the way, is, is living for Jesus. That's his purpose. It's living stones together. Now let's keep reading from verse 6. For in Scripture, Peter quotes Isaiah 28, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who puts, uh, so the, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, now just pause for a minute there, the, the NIV's left out a key word here, um, which is really a bit odd. ESV has it, other translations have it. ESV says, so the honour is for you who believe. Uh, this stone is precious. So we're going to talk about this shame and honour thing in a, in a few moments. I'm not sure why the NIV's left out that word, but anyway, there you go. So the second half of verse 7, but to those who do not believe, and now, now quoting Jesus in Matthew 21, who also quotes the psalmist in Psalm 118, now to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So who are we? The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Is that in verse 6? In fact, the believing one, verse 7, will be honoured. Now, this is extraordinary. Let me tell you why. You see, first century culture, and I hope this helps for us, first century culture, in first century culture, these these are very powerful sentiments, powerful words, and it's very hard for us to grasp the enormity of them. Um, We don't live in a shame and honour society like the Bible was written in, like much of the world still lives in. 
We don't live, we live in a right, wrong, guilt culture. That's what we live in. Uh, to be shamed is not just embarrassment. It cuts so much deeper than that. It is deep rejection. It's abandonment. Uh, reputation and relationships are at its heart. Not right or wrong. Not guilt. It's my Pakistani's friend's father who said to him when he became a Christian, he said to him, you are dead to me. Uh, and he had a funeral for his son when he became a Christian. That's shame. That's shame as a result of following Jesus, in fact. And such was the believer in, of Jesus in Peter's day. They were shamed. People held abuse at them. They were ostracized. They were left out. They were shamed. But the one who comes to Jesus, verse 7 says, God honors. I hope you get that. It's so powerful. Uh, there's a great little video I actually put on our Facebook site um, during the week called Honor and Shame 101 YouTube. Um, have a look at it when you get a chance. Very worthwhile. And it, and it brings out what, Paul, what uh, Peter particularly here, and Paul mentions it too in the New Testament, about this shame and honor. It is extraordinary that the ones who are shamed by the world, God actually honors people, followers of Jesus. And so in verse 9, uh, we are, it's a third hitting on our outline there. First he says, but you, but you in contrast to those who do not believe, who reject the cornerstone, who disobey the message, who will one day be put to shame, but you, there's no shame here, but you are a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, God's special possession. Let's go through those. First of all, chosen. Why would God choose these people? If you've got your Bible there, flip over to over chapter 4, verse 3 again. Just one page probably. Remember this little description? This is what they used to get up to. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do, debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. Uh, that's hardly a very good description. Why on earth would God choose them? Why would God call them to himself? Put it like that. Why on earth would God choose me? Why would God choose you? Let's jump back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Don't look it up. I'm going to have this one up on the screen. Um, Deuteronomy 7, Moses, it's in the middle of these sermons that Moses gives on the edge of the promised land. Uh, Deuteronomy is. Moses is, is preaching to these Israelites. Uh, they've been redeemed. They've been rescued out of slavery uh, from Egypt. They've been given the Ten Commandments. God has said that uh, now that now that I've uh, now that I've saved you, this is how you should live. Here's the Ten Commandments. So God has chosen them to be His. But why? Now I wonder if you've ever thought why. Have you ever thought that? What did they do to deserve God choosing them? Well, let, let's have a little look at... Um, there it is. Good. Okay. Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 8. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, he says to them. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you are more numerous than other peoples, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you, out of, uh, redeemed you from the land of slavery 
from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why does God make his choice? Well, it had nothing to do with Israel. Do you see that? How numerous they were, or how special or, or powerful they were. Why does God choose us? If you're a Christian person, why does God choose you? Well, it's got nothing to do with us. God chooses actually in spite of us. That's grace. He chooses, verse 8, see that? Because of love. He chooses because he loves us. Simple as that. He chooses because he loves us. Have a look at Titus 3, verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish and disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hated one another. What a description. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us out of the, uh, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. See, why has God saved us? Why has God chosen us? Because He loves us. That's why. That's why. And so because of this love, uh, God drawing us to him, second thing Peter mentions, we are a royal priesthood. So those who come to Jesus then, well, those who come to Jesus, put it this way, are the ultimate insider. Let me explain. So if you ever, if you ever won a, a backstage pass to a concert... I don't know if you've had that experience. I haven't. I've got um, people I know dearly who would love to get a backstage cons- get backstage pass to their favourite band, that is for sure. Um, where, you know, where you can enter into the, the performer's personal area. When you go backstage, things happen back there that are just for them. You know what I mean? Um, you can speak to the band, you can sit and eat with them. You can share stories and you're in. You're in with the band. You could say it's like being a royal. Uh, there are no barriers. No one ever says to Prince William, nah, sorry mate, you're not coming in. I don't think so, anyway. No one ever says that. He can come in. Likewise, as you come to Jesus, you have direct access to God. There's no barriers, because the barrier of sin, as we learnt last week, the barrier of sin has been broken down. Sin has been forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross for us. Just like the Old Test- in the Old Testament sacrificial system, the, the high priest who would once a year enter into the tabernacle or the, or the temple, he would go through the curtain into the Holy of Holies that represented the, the presence of God and he'd offer a sacrifice for the people. Once a year he could enter into the presence of God. But what we're told here is that... One, those who trust in Jesus have direct access to God 24-7. Like that backstage pass. Direct access. See, there's, there's no need for special priests. <laughs> there's no need for special priests. 
We are all priests. Did you know that you're a priest? Now, you don't have to wear funny clothing like this guy here. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. Um, but we're all priests. You're a priest. I'm a priest. And you don't need a bit of paper to tell you that. We're all princes and princesses in God's house, in his presence. You see, religion, religion's aim is to keep the distance between us and God. That's what religion does. What does Jesus say? Jesus say, says, come to me. Jesus says, come close. A royal priesthood. Third, these followers of Jesus, uh, they're, they're refugees. They're scattered with no real home. See if you can spot the places I'm talking about that are mentioned here. Uh, Pontus. Pontus is up in the north there. Uh, Pontus, uh, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. That's sort of modern-day Turkey. They're all over the place. They're all over the place. Yet, they are united. God calls them a holy nation. Set apart for God. That's what holy means. Set apart for God. They are united. Have a look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 2. I've got it up on the screen there. 1 Peter 1, verse 2 tells us, that the followers of Jesus are united because we come from the same Father. Uh, uh, someone who comes to Jesus, someone who puts their trust in him, is a child of God. Nothing, nothing sort of creepy in that. We come from the same Father who has drawn us to him, who has chosen us. We, a, a Christian person, a, a follower of Jesus, has the same spirit, has the same spirit by the same blood of Jesus, his death for us. A holy nation united in the Father and the Spirit and the Son. And so finally, those who come to Jesus, oops, sorry about that, those who come to Jesus, trusting in him, are a people belonging to God. As we read in Exodus 19, uh, And, and Deuteronomy chapter 7. I don't know if he picked up. God, actually, Zoe picked it up. Well done. Good job, Zoe. You get a gold star. Um, God calls his people his treasured possession. We are what's most valuable to God. Nothing else in creation is more valuable to God than us. Not the oceans, as beautiful as they are. Not the mountains, not even the stars in the sky are worth more to him than you and me. We are a people belonging to God, his treasured possession. That's what we are. We are most valuable, valuable to him, his treasured possession, for we are purchased by the blood of Jesus, his own son. Friends, more than just special, more than just special, there's no greater honour here. We are God's treasured possession belonging to him. And so finally, we are unexpectedly royal. Friends, anyone can come to Jesus. Anyone. Anyone can be royal. You don't need to be born into it. To follow Jesus. You don't need to have the right clothes. You don't need to have the right look, 
the right bank balance, the right accent. Anyone can come to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you are, you are welcome in this place. You are. But even more importantly, you're welcomed by God because of the precious blood of Jesus, because of his death for us. So come to Jesus. If you haven't already, come to Jesus. Uh, Put your trust in him. Say sorry. It's as simple as this. We just say sorry for our past. Sorry for our past. And God promises forgiveness. And God always keeps his promises. So who are you? Who are you? Well, you're chosen. You're a royal priest, part of a holy nation. God's special possession are people belonging to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for us. Thank you that you, uh, by your death, you purchased for us a right relationship with God. Lord, we pray today that there may well be people in this room who uh, have forgotten this or uh, didn't know this. We pray today, today's the day when we actually say, we, we come to Jesus and we put our trust in him and we believe in him. Lord, we're sorry for the times that we have uh, been like those people in those churches that Peter addresses, uh, rejecting you. Lord, help us not to believe. Uh, Lord, Lord, help us to um, help us to believe and not to ignore you. Father, we, uh, we thank you that Jesus died for us and thank you because of that we are a, uh, your chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a treasured possession, royal priests. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.